1: Before we get to today's edition of the 5 Reasons Podcast with ESPN front office insider Bobby Marks, I want to tell you about one of our great sponsors, and that is BetQL. BetQL is an app for your iPhone or Android that gives you the very best advice to help you gamble smarter. They give recommendations based upon where they think lines should be, on sporting events, so like for example, for college football this weekend, they have Auburn taking on Tennessee. Auburn is a 15-point favorite, but they think that Auburn should be a 23-point favorite, and so they think you should be on Auburn. That is a three-star play from BetQL in terms of the line movement. It's actually gone down since it opened from 16 and a half to 15. You can keep track of line movement there and tell you what the public is wagering on the two teams for NFL games as well. For example, coming. Coming up this weekend in week number six of the NFL, the Eagles taking on the Giants. The Eagles are a three-point favorite against the G-Men on Thursday Night Football, but they think the Eagles should be favored by 11. The public is mostly on the Giants, so they think they should be hammering the Eagles on Thursday Night Football. That kind of information and much more. You can keep track of all your bets and obviously follow the latest data on these games over the BetQL app. Download it now in the Apple App Store or Google Play. And now, Bobby Marks.
2: Welcome into the latest episode of the 5 Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick here, as always, with Chris Whittingham. Now that you've found us, make sure that you hit the subscribe or follow button on your favorite podcast provider. That way you'll get all of our old episodes, including our Heat Stories episodes, as well as all of our new episodes as soon as they post. Also, turn on notifications. That will make it easier to find them. Also, if you go to your favorite podcast provider and type in 5 Reasons Sports, you'll find All 13 podcasts in our network, including Miami Heat beat as they get ready for the season and three yards per carry as they disassociate themselves from the Dolphins after this past weekend. Um, For our next episode, we have been talking a lot about Jimmy Butler here on our Twitter feed. We finally did an episode this week as we're taping this. Stuff is still flying around, but nothing has officially happened. But we want to bring in somebody who understands how front offices work and how this situation has gotten so out of control and also to talk about some other things going on uh, around the league. And that's our friend Bobby Marks, worked in the Nets front office for 20 years and now is ESPN's front office insider, often shows up uh, here at some Heat games too. Bobby, thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate it.
3: Uh, My pleasure. Hey, guys. How are you? We're
2: good. Um, let's start here with the Butler situation. I mean, by the time we finish taping this, there'll be 12 more reports. So, I, <laughs> so, so I'm not sure how this was. But, but I, I, I want to see if you can take us through it from a front office perspective, because I, I've covered the heat since 96, and I have never in 22 years seen any situation they've been involved with get this public and this messy. And I know it's not something that they like. And so just from a front office perspective, why do you think this has played out like this over the past three weeks?
3: I think a lot of it has to do with uh, the Butler camp. Um, you've got an agent who, you know, let's face it, I really Jimmy Butler is his only high-level client. Uh, I think it would be a little bit different if it was Mark Bartlestein or Jeff Schwartz or Leon Rose, some of the you know high-profile agents. That's not to say that Bernie Lee, the agent for Jimmy Butler, can't do it the right job but I, I think there was some a lot of miscommunication here I think you know from Butler's side um, there was never going to be a renegotiation for Minnesota this summer to get him a bigger pay raise this summer I think it got to a point where Jimmy Butler realized he had to, re- to return to Minnesota before training camp and um, you know by putting it out in public the demand to be traded um, was more of a leverage play from Butler's camp that's somewhat has a little bit backfired now And now you've got an owner in Glenn Taylor in Minnesota involved who really wants this, um, you know, wants some resolution to this, um, you know, to the situation. And yeah, you know, rarely does it become this public. You know, I've been involved in a bunch. I mean, I think the closest was probably Carmelo Anthony in 2010. But that was a little bit different because Anthony wound up, although he wanted to, um, you know, you know, he was going to i guess opt out of his contract the following year. It wasn't really a, a, you know a trade demand. It was basically you know saying that, you know, um, I'm going to keep my options open. Um, if there' something out there, I would like to be, you know, maybe some one of the New York markets. And he still showed up for training camp. and they you know, as I mentioned before, they you know I think they had, you know, uh, you know they were over five hundred at the time he was he was traded. and it. Although it was public, um, you know, they did it. Uh, Denver did it as good a job, um, you know, trying to keep it on, on on the down low here. But yeah, this is as public a bitter divorce um, that I think we've seen in, in a long time here.
1: When you say that Jimmy Butler's trade demand has backfired, why do you think it's backfired?
3: I think when you put it out there that a you only want to go to three teams. Um, you know those three teams have cap space to go out and sign you next year there's no incentive for those teams to go out there um you know if you start putting demands um to teams unless it unless it gets to the point where glenn taylor you know overrules tom thibodeau and and basically does, does does the trade himself um but we're what what are we two weeks from when it happened when you know this came out and there still hasn't been a um, you know, at demand. I think that I think the the best situation where the butler camp would have been is to go to Thibodeau and let him know and I think that's what they did was, you know, that the intention is that Jimmy's not going to resign as a free agent in two thousand nineteen. That we would like to be traded some part of the season, either now or at the deadline and, and go from there. And now we've got a, a player who's not in Minnesota. We've got, you know, you know, trying to hold the feet to the fire here and and there's still no resolution. And, and, and from the looks of it, there's no, you know, there's no urgency from that Timberwolves front office to to try to get a deal done.
2: We're talking to Bobby Marks here, ESPN's front office insider. Now, there's been some reports and, and I've heard a lot of this, too, about some internal stuff in Minnesota, whether it's between Towns and Butler, whether it's between Tibbs and, and Taylor. And I, I you know from being in a front office for all that time, how much can that stuff play into a negotiation like this? Because it does strike me that, I mean, you've dealt with the heat. Um, I know that there are differences sometimes internally, but that those differences don't really get out. Um, these have kind of gotten out on the Minnesota side. So when you have one side that may appear aligned and you have another side that's moving in a bunch of different directions, how does that affect a negotiation?
3: Oh, it's huge. I mean, I think you're right. I mean, with Miami and then having dealt with, uh, with Andy Ellisberg, their general manager for a long time there, you know, when you have a conversation with, with Andy Ellsberg about parameters of a trade or if you're calling to inquire about certain um, you know, certain players, you know, that 99% of the time that's not getting out. Maybe I can, I can even put, bump it up to 100 um, because there is, a, there is a trust level there. And I think Miami is the counter opposite to where Minnesota is where you have things lined up from ownership to Pat Riley, Andy Ellsberg, and then Eric Spolster where in Minnesota – um, and I'm never, uh, I'm not a big believer, and I've never been about the head coach, um, you know, having total power. I think outside of I guess San Antonio, it doesn't work. Um, we saw it fail in, um, um, we saw it fail in Detroit. We saw it fail in, in L.A. with Clippers with, uh, with with Doc Rivers for all those years. Um, and I think they're they are so unaligned right now. When you look at Tibbs, who you know Tom Thibodeau is worried about coaching his team right now. You know Tom Thibodeau worried about Game One next week. He is. Probably the last thing he wants to worry about is, is is Jimmy Butler. He's trying to get his, you know, this team into the playoffs here. And then you have an owner who's trying to get a deal done, you know, even if you're taking 50 cents on the dollar here. So, yeah, it's totally two different things, two different organizations. And, you know, as nuts as things were in, in um, you know, in Brooklyn and New Jersey there, you know, when we went about going to go about a deal, um, you know, there was rarely times when we were backing, we, we were all on board. Even if it backfired down the road, uh, we, we kind of we went around the room and, you know, it wasn't a maturity vote, but we all had our say in it. And, you know, if, it, if there was anything that we had concerns about you know we would we would pull out of it, so um but yeah, it's just two different organizations that are and it's ironic two different you know counter opposite of two different organizations right now
1: in terms of negotiations in this trade, when you look at the negotiating power of each side here, it was sort of specifying on Miami here. When you look at the the, the the power of a Heat team that doesn't really have any stars and it has some assets, but I, I don't know the degree to which you can really hold on to them in a negotiation like this. But comparing to Minnesota, you mentioned the fact that the teams on his list aren't really competing f- to, to to go and get Jimmy Butler. When you're sort of analyzing the way that these two sides are negotiating, how do you think it would go, and who do you think has the stronger position right now?
3: Well, I think Miami does right now, unless Minnesota can try to get a second team involved. A second team that does not have cap space next year. And I think, you know, we've heard Houston. I just don't see um, the—I don't see the—unless it's Eric Gordon and multiple first-round picks, but those picks are going to be in the you 29-30 for the future— um, you know, their main guys are certainly off, uh, off the, off the board there. So I don't, I don't see how Houston, you know, can p- potentially put a, put a package together. And it's, and it's basically kind of, we've talked about this, the teams, New York, uh, the Clippers, um, you know uh, Brooklyn teams that have cap space and if they wanted to do a deal they would have done one by now and they feel that you know at least you know Brooklyn and New York they've you know you know hit the rebuild button the last couple years that they can be patient and wait until the summer of 2019 and you know with with Miami it's a little bit different because they are a team you guys know their cap you know they're over the cap they're you know they're a luxury tax team we know what they can offer right now Um, but there's no other team out there for them to bid against so if you're the Heat what you're doing is, and then you, you kind of go in your in your war room and, and you line up. All right, these are the guys that we are um, we're interested in, in moving. These are the guys we would move. And then you got to draw a line in the sand as far as how far would we go? You know, you you can only you know you know trade certain amount of picks because that that pick is going out to Philly in 2021. Um, what are you going to do with Justice Winslow? Are you content signing him long term to an extension? If you do that, then he's off the board. Um, and then you've got some long, long-term contracts that are probably not as quite of appealing. With Olenek, Waiters is her, You know James Johnson there. Um, you know uh, Dragovich and Whiteside have player options for next year. And then it, it basically boils down to Josh Richardson. And you guys have you guys have documented that you know pretty well. I mean, in the beginning, I thought you know if I was Miami that you know Richardson would be a non-starter. But but the more you go down the path, and if you are intent on Butler and signing him long-term. Then he's going to be the likely guy to go, um, and then it's just a matter of getting the salaries to to match. But you got to you do have to draw a line in the sand. Um, I know they were you know as Woj and a bunch of people re- reported that they were somewhat close over the over the weekend, but. If you're if you're Miami and you're in that front office, what you offered is what is going to be the ne- what the next deal is. There's no more adding more into this. Where do you
1: think that the Heat should draw the line of the sand? Obviously, you're talking about the different players that they could. But if you're sort of looking at their roster right now and Minnesota, and it was reported by the Miami Herald that you know that Minnesota is asking for everyone's firstborn. Uh, if you were Pat Riley and that negotiating team, where would you draw the line in the sand?
3: It would be Josh, um, after, you know, I I, I would put Josh Richardson in and I was, you know, as I mentioned, I I was hesitant there and that would be it. I I basically would say it's Josh Richardson and look at our roster with Olenek and waiters to make the money work there. And you're getting a young, I mean, you guys have followed Josh for, you know, since they drafted him and he's a, you know, a a really good two-way player here. And for a team that does not have much leverage in Minnesota, that is as good as is what you're going to uh, as get, what you're going to get there, you've got to get up to about $16 million to work. You know, Josh is making nine, nine and change. So you've got to get, you're going to have to start adding some, some pieces here. But when you're, if you're asking for multiple first round picks and you know, maybe you do your 2019 first and you protect it one to you know, 20 and roll it over to maybe some seconds in, in, in the future there. But I, I would not start adding, you know, picks that are, you know, going into 2023 or 24, because we don't know where this roster is going to, uh, where we're going to be here but it just it'll be hard to try to to get the numbers up there i would be hesitant including uh bam out of bio there because with Whiteside, that he's in insurance policy with what happens with the son here so i think if i am the heat front office and you're looking at the roster it's it, you can have richardson and then look at what our roster is to, to try to get that money to work
2: We'll get back to the NBA conversation with Bobby Marks here in a second. But first, excited to tell you about one of our great, great sponsors, which, like us, is Pure South Florida. That's Doral Toyota, where you can find all of your favorite Toyota models, whether you're looking for a new, used, or certified pre-owned vehicle. Doral Toyota is located at 9775. That's 9775 Northwest 12th Street in Doral just a few blocks from International and Dolphin Malls experience the Doral difference which means four years complimentary maintenance and roadside assistance on all new vehicles in-house financing is also available if you have credit related issues if you mention five reasons when you call 305-680-1129 that's 305-680-1129 or you come into the dealership you work directly with a dedicated manager not a salesman and you can look for Alex tuck a little heat with him too unlike other dealers Doral Toyota prides itself on an honest and transparent buying process that's Doral Toyota Duraltoyota.com, or stop in at 9775 Northwest 12th Street vamos let's go and now back to the episode Talking about Bobby Marks here, you mentioned other teams that could have gotten involved that didn't, uh, the three that were originally on his list. But, I mean, others, I mean, I, I have not heard that Philadelphia put anything attractive on the table. They certainly have pieces where they could. I've not heard that Milwaukee put Middleton on the table. That could make it more interesting. The Clippers, I've heard, have not put Tobias Harris on the table. So, I mean, when you look at this, you mentioned Gordon. Uh, that report came out. Um, I'd heard Tucker was not on the table at that time. So, when you look at it, I mean, Josh – or Dragic, to me would be the most attractive piece that has been talked about that might actually be out there. But I want to ask you something specific about about Butler because uh, when I tweeted, uh, you know, about uh, Josh and Jimmy, you know, I, I made the case that at age 24 in their third year, Josh Richardson actually had better numbers than Jimmy Butler, and he's four years younger at this stage. And then you replied that he's also on a much better contract. I mean. He, He's making about 40-something million over the next four, whereas uh, Jimmy would make that in his last year uh, when he's 33, 34 years old. Do, do you have, I guess, two questions. One, just looking at it, as you look at Josh as an asset, do you project, as a front office, do you project and say, well, Jimmy made that jump, maybe he can make that jump and be a little scared of doing that? And, and two... What do you think of Jimmy Butler as a player going forward? Because I, you know, Tom Thibodeau players have you know worn down a little bit. I mean, we've seen it with Noah, we've seen it with Deng. Uh, we've saw. I know there were other circumstances with Rose that once hard to evaluate, but he plays his guy's a lot of minutes. He once played Jimmy 48 straight minutes, three straight games during during one stretch. I mean, are you concerned? I guess the first would be: Would you project Josh to get into Jimmy's sphere in the next four years? And two. What do you think of Jimmy Butler as an aging player?
3: I don't think Josh could get into that. I think if Butler is in that ten to fifteen range. You know, if we're looking at for, I guess we're ranking guys there. I think he's in that next tier. I don't, I don't think Josh could get, could get in there in that range. I think he could certainly get in that, um, you know, that twenty-five to you know twenty-five to thirty range. He's got a, you know, he's got a great contract. I mean, four for forty-two in this day and age is is a home run deal compared to what you have to pay Jimmy Butler? You know, likely five from 190 or maybe four for, you know, 145 if you can do something like they did with uh, Houston did with, with Chris Paul. There, my concern with Jimmy Butler is is not year is not 2019, 20 or even the, the, the next year. It's here's three, four, and five. I mean, here's a guy that's averaged you know 37 plus minutes in the last five or six years and has played in for Tom Thibodeau. Um, you know, during that time frame. And what is going to be left on the on the on the you know on the wheels here, um, you know going forward when you're paying him you know forty million dollars plus, I think the tease is, is that if you're Miami and you're looking at your roster, is that yes he is an upgrade over um, Josh Richardson right now. Um, you are kind of in that, that in between stage where you're probably in that five to eight range I guess you know if from a from a seating standpoint. And does Jimmy Butler can he get you into that top four range? And I think, you know, right now, based on what that roster is, and that's kind of the, that's the question that you have to throw throw.
4: Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you.
3: Brown there I I mean I I think he he does right now I mean all it it doesn't matter what you give up but my big concern I've all and I've said it all along is is that you know what what are you going to be paying a player you know in years three four and possibly five here and that's a lot of money which situation
1: in your career that you personally dealt with does this remind you of
3: this is Carmelo this is a lot like Carmelo just based on you know, in, in 2010, you know, we went through it and it was really just us in New Jersey um, dealing with Denver and then New York came in at the end. And, that, and that's what basically that Houston needs to do is they need, I mean, not Houston, I'm, Minnesota needs to do is they need to find a New York out there that, that can, you know, go getting to into a bidding war with um, with Miami here. And as I mentioned, there isn't, there really isn't a team out there, but, um, you know, this, you know, the Carmelo situation was certainly, you know, out it was public Um we were close multiple times to getting a deal. Um, Denver kind of backed away a little bit. Um, you know, we thought we were close again in you know January to get a deal done. They they backed away again. Um, so yeah, I think this is probably as close you know uh, you know the Butler situation as far as you know from you know from a trade standpoint. Um, you know with Carmelo, but you know with Carmelo, we never got to the point when we were where we were sharing medical and insurance information. You know, I've said all along when you when you start doing that, and you have your trainers talk and your doctors talk and your you know your your um your administrative people, you're looking over medical information and player insurance. You are as close to getting a deal done as possible. And you know, as as the reports were this week, and that that was the case here. So, um, and and then you kind of pull away from the, from the table. So that's a. That's certainly a rare instance there.
2: Talking to Bobby Marks, front office insider for ESPN. One more on Butler, and then I want to pivot to the heat in the league here real quick. Um, So let's say Jimmy doesn't get traded because the latest report uh, that I have is that that he's asked uh, to be traded by Friday. Um, And, you know, to me, I I don't know what the leverage is there other than if he decides – to say, I'm going to go have surgery, which I know is something that came up in the Kyrie situation, which there have been some whispers about that, but let's say they hold him until the season. Let's say that that Glenn Taylor doesn't come over the top. Tibbs doesn't want to deal him. Still thinks he can make it right. How does an organization handle that? Because I, I'm, I'm checking out the reports in Minnesota. The building was two-thirds empty for a preseason game. Um, there are at least a couple other players that I know of who just want this situation resolved. There's at least one prominent agent who I know wants this situation resolved, uh, who's involved with that team and has a lot of other clients. Like how do how do you deal with this as an organization? If Jimmy Butler's still on the roster as of opening night?
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I never really want to jump to conclusions based on preseason games, but they've been terrible. I mean, they've been lethargic, the Timberwolves, um, you know, I mean, and we still uh, we we haven't even hit the regular season yet. I mean, them and you know, the, in Chicago are the two teams that have been really lackadaisical. And I think Jeff Teague said it the best. I think there was a quote in the in the in the paper yesterday where he said like, you kind of knew you, you saw it coming because we didn't, you know, nobody we didn't play with each other during the summer. No, we didn't do any of these team bonding experiences. We basically just showed up the first you know first day of media day and then rolled out the ball and this is what our team was. And I think. You know, when, when that happens, that's setting you up for failure. And then you have the Butler situation compounded here. I, I think if you're Butler that you have to show up because there's a clause in the C B A there's a withholding clause there that if, if he tried to pull power play and does not show up or, you know, holds out, you know, there's a thirty day window where basically it would void not void his contract, but it would it would really hurt him from free agency standpoint. basically Butler would not be a free agent in two thousand nineteen. So if I'm him and if I'm his agent, then if there is no deal at the end of the week or close, I'm showing up and I am going through the the routine there. Now, is there an injury out there that, you know, that all of a sudden mysteriously kind of creeps in? That That's, I guess, for another, for another day. But if I'm Jimmy Butler, I am appearing, but... You're right. It's, it's, it's certainly a distraction for a player that wants nothing to do with that, with, with that organization here. And then, and then, you know, all eyes are on them the first couple of weeks of the season. You get off to an 0-5 star, an 0-6 star. What happens you know, what happens there? And, and that's going back to the ownership. You know, does it get to a point where, you know, Glenn Taylor basically overrules Tom Thibodeau and that front office on a, on a deal and, and get something done sooner rather than later? We'll get back to
2: Bobby Marks here in a second, but Chris and I have been doing some betting over at betdsi.com using our promo code Reason101. We got our initial deposits matched up to $2,500, which allowed us to keep losing, which is what I've been doing lately. But I'm telling you, I'm going to be turning it around. Why did I not bet the Saints and give the points? It was Drew Brees' night. You knew he was going to throw 13 touchdowns just to stick it to the Dolphins who could add him twice. Anyway, go to betdsi.com. reason 101 what
1: are they saying about the heat on there chris yeah the miami heat over under is basically 500 if you want to bet the 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 miami heat to go over 500 and make the postseason it's uh sitting i believe at last time i checked it was either 41 and a half or 42 and a half and if they make a jimmy butler trade then you'd have to imagine that goes way up so get in on it now use the promo code reason 101 nfl in full swing college football in full swing the hockey season has started the baseball playoffs are going on never a better time than now to get to BetDSI.com and use a promo code REASON101.
2: So, I want to go back to the heat here for a second. Because you mentioned that you've dealt with them for many years. Um, I've covered them for many years, and I was surprised by what they did the past two off-seasons because it was so unlike them. I mean, not, not to go all the way back to 2014 and what happened with LeBron and some of the, the Grangers and the McRoberts and some of those deals, but just starting from 2016 from, you know, not signing Dwayne But then giving the money in a match to Tyler Johnson, signing Hassan right at the very start, which I've got to acknowledge I was supportive of at the time, but obviously that hasn't worked out the way that they hoped. And then you go to 2017 and the three four-year deals that James Johnson until he's 34 years old at a pretty hefty number. Dion Waiters coming off an injury that likely was going to need surgery for four years. And then you mentioned Olinic, which is the one of those five that's actually worked out, but also a four-year deal to him. Were you surprised by the way that they conducted business the last two years and kind of in some ways made it harder for them to get in the room?
3: I think the, the um, Tyler Johnson contract killed him. Um, when you and I like Tyler as a player but how Brooklyn structured that where you know it was 5-5 and then it jumps to 19 Um, when you match that basically the clock started as far as how you you can go about um, you know how about you go about using cap space in 2017 yes I I was on board with the um, you know Hassan Whiteside signing you know as you mentioned I've seen you know a lot of heat games in person and you know he was coming off a you know a playoff you know really strong playoff um in in, in six uh, i guess it was 16 um so yeah i I was fine with white side i think when you have when you know that that johnson contract eventually is going to kick in this year then it kind of forces your hand to go out there and probably overspend on some players to kind of you know it's basically use it or lose it you know if you don't use the cap space last summer in 17 that when this summer comes around that number jumps up then you're really limited as far as what you can do and yeah i mean i think the the waiter's contract out of the 3 are is, you know certainly because Dion's been hurt um you know has not been a good contract and now you're looking to shed it and then what is it going to cost you to to do so and you're and it's funny that i thought out of the 3 that i you know i was more skeptical about the Alinic contract than anything and yeah he's probably been the the better um you know the the, the, uh, the you know the better of the 3 players so far here so um, you know, they did get in the room, you know, last year with Hayworth, you know, and, you know, but, you know, of course you went to, uh, to Boston there. So this is kind of who your, you know, your, your roster is. And it's funny because, you know, you know, with how that organization works, it's always, you know, there, it's always, you know, championship level, you know, targeting championships. Um, as I say, big game hunting here. And now you're somewhat content with, uh, you know, I guess you're on that treadmill of, you know, you're a good team. If you play hard every night, you'll be in every game and you'll win your 45 to 46, you know, games. But you're not, you're not on that level. You're not on that elite level here. So. Um, you know that 's kind of where the summer of '17 kind of you know bit you a little bit
1: would you say that right now the heat's way out of it is only the passage of time and getting off of these contracts and going again in free agency in 2020 or do you think that if they did execute this Jimmy Butler trade or try to get into the trade market next year with Whiteside and Tyler Johnson as expirings that they can maybe speed this process up a little bit
3: I think miami 's looking at 2020 as a free agent class that is probably the one of the worst that we 're going to see in a long time that is it is a the low average class, uh, 2019, as you guys know, is is really strong. Uh, 2020 is a lot of these contracts that were signed in 2016 when the cap rose and players got overpaid. There is a good. I mean, we, we don't know what'll happen next summer. That maybe some guys do some one year deals and, and go into you know 2020 as free agents. But I, I think if you're, you're Miami is looking at you know that the ability to get a All Star level. For a team that's over the cap is sitting right in front of them right now, um, and if we can do so with with you know you know despite risking some cap flexibility in, in 2020, then it then that is the goal here. And eventually, the, some of these contracts will start coming out. We'll see what happens with you know uh, Dragovich and Whiteside have um, player options as well as Johnson, um, you know, next summer here. And and and, and this cap is going to start rising. And we're going to go to 109 to 106, 116, and then probably one. Twenty in in three years from now so um you know eventually these these contracts will start shedding off
2: we're gonna do some rapid fire here with bobby to close this out so just want to get your opinions on what certain teams did this offseason let's start with the lakers um not the big one because obviously that was pretty good um but the 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 surrounding pieces uh the the one-year contracts for a lot of guys who've had i mean just to be straight checkered pasts in other places um do you think they did a good job filling out that roster and do you see a long-term plan there?
3: I think they, I think it's an experiment as far as the, the long term. I don't, I, I can't, I consider these guys placeholders. It's, it's almost like it's a trial and error to see what would work in 2019 and kind of, you know Rajon Rondo and Lance Stevenson are kind of the the guinea pigs here so I you know I I didn't you know get crazy about what they did Um, I know a lot of people criticized them I like the Rondo signing because with with uh with Lonzo as as a veteran mentorship but I think with LeBron the mindset was that we were probably going to be a 45 to 46 win team and compete for a playoff spot and try to get these young kids to develop to a point where either they're going to be here long term or they're going to be used as an asset down 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 the road here so um, it's a mixed bag, but as you guys saw when, when he when he committed, you know, uh, you know, the first couple of days into free agency, this was the plan all along based on how they timed each one of these signings.
1: And with Houston, do you think they got closer or farther away to the Warriors?
3: I think they got closer. You know, I know the Ariza and Bamute, um, you know, departure hurts. You've got you added James Ennis. You brought back the whole, you know, the you know with Capella and Chris Paul. I saw um, Houston last week in uh, Birmingham, and you know if Chris Paul can stay healthy, man, he looks as good as he as he's been in a long time here. And I think it's all about these guys. Can Harden stay healthy? Can Chris Paul stay healthy? Healthy Capella. I'm fine with their depth, you know, if you're going to start uh, start Tucker at the four and have Carmelo come off the bench, you know, what does, what does Carter Williams have come backing up Chris Paul there? So I I think they got a little bit closer based on, um, you know, maybe what they did this summer. And then I think, you know, Golden State will be interesting during the regular season based on that team is not built, you know, depth wise, you know, for, I don't think for 82 games and do they get bored during the season um, you know, like in, you know, past years here, it's more, you know, that team is built for the, for the long haul for the, uh, for the playoffs here. So I, I think that Houston team did get closer to Golden State.
2: Toronto, uh, what would you, if I was to ask you right now for a percentage that Kawhi Leonard is a Raptor next season, where would you put it at?
3: I would put it at 30%. Um, and I just, just from reading the tea leaves, the amount of teams that have cap space next year, including the Clippers who are um, certainly one of the favorites here um, but I think that 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 number could increase throughout the year. You know, based I think this Toronto team has a chance to you know to get out of the East, uh, even with Boston in in um, in Philadelphia. And I think you know Masai Ujiri is going to have to basically steal the the, the uh, Sam Presti playbook and and really do a great job of in house recruiting um, Kawhi Leonard here and let the record speak for itself that where this team winds up going that, you know, Kawhi will have to make a decision as far as, uh, you know, I guess a rebuilding Clipper team or maybe even the Lakers versus, you know, staying in the East and, being on a real real good team. But I think entering the season, I look at it right at
1: 30%. Philly, they go out in uh, they go out in the Eastern semis and were, were beaten pretty well by Boston as well after beating Miami in the postseason. Is internal improvement alone going to be enough because it didn't really make any big moves?
3: I don't think it is. I think um, I, I have a little bit concerns about their depth you know, especially at, you know, with Nobel and Ellie and Ilya Sova, you added Chandler, Wilson Chandler and Mike Muscal there, you know, I mean, of course the X factor is going to be Markel Fultz. I mean, that is going to be, you know, until Markel Fultz, you know, proves, you know, he was worthy of that number one pick, he's going to be the X factor for, you know, for a long time here. So I I don't see them getting close to where Boston and, um, and um, you know, Toronto is. Uh, unless, you know, unless there is a, you know, Fulch gets out of the gates and is uh, reflective of that, that, that top pick.
2: Last one here for Bobby Marks, Boston.
3: Loaded. Um, are they willing? I mean, I wrote about it. The willingness to sacrifice um, are these guys you know, um, can they accept roles? You know, it's a lot different when with Terry Rozier and uh, Marcus Morris going from starter to coming off the bench. And, you know, I think a lot of it will have to do with, you know, Kyrie, the durability of Kyrie, you know, gets, staying healthy for a full, 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 full season, but from one to ten, you know they are as deep as any team in uh, in the NBA. I don't, I don't pay much attention to it. I know they've they've struggled this, this preseason. I know they'll figure it out because of as a good coach they have, but. Yeah, I think if you're looking at Boston, they are probably the favorite to come out of the East along with uh, with, with possibly Toronto here.
2: All right, final one here for Bobby Mark. So if I was to say right now, and as we tape this, I'm just going to timestamp it because we don't typically do this. But it's about 2.04 Eastern time uh, on a Tuesday in the 700th day of the Jimmy Butler saga. <laughs> if I, was to say, if I was to say to you, Bobby, because you've been through these. How does this ultimately play out? What what in your in your view is going to be the end result here? We're not reporting this as sources. We're not doing any of that. This is just no. nobody's gonna hear this pod. It's just a little prediction for our podcast until I,
3: <laughs> I don't I would expect no movement this week. I think when we get to the weekend when the reality faces that hey, we've got a game on Wednesday or Thursday, you know, wherever whenever Minnesota plays and we've got to set our roster up by, you know, three o'clock on Monday afternoon. That there will be some internal pressure in Minnesota to get a deal done, and i wouldn't I would not be surprised if you know Butler's in a, in a heat uniform by you know the end of the first week of the regular season, so I think that's kind of that's kind of where I see this Butler situation playing out for the That'll love be- of
1: God another week of this crap
3: <laughs> <laughs> well it's funny you know guys we, we've only been it feels like it's been a year, but it's only been, I think, what, three weeks? Yeah, it's, it, it's, been, it's been about it's three weeks since we,
2: since we tweeted that the Heat were involved and everybody said they weren't. So we'll see if that ultimately uh, plays out. But obviously if it happens uh, next week, that'd be great because that's after Khalil Mack has 11 sacks of Ryan Tannehill and, and and South Florida sports fans will be looking for something to distract them. Bobby Marks, you can follow him at Bobby Marks 42 You can find him on ESPN. Always appreciate the time, Bobby. Great stuff.
3: Thanks guys.
0: Hey, Juice, so October is here, and in my mind, that means only one thing. It is almost time for my favorite event of the year, and no big surprise, but it's an O.J. McDuffie party. you know it, Big Seth. The 17th Annual Signature Grand Ghoul, presented by Calvin Giordano and Associates, will take place on Monday, October 29th, and once again, benefits 211 Broward, an amazing charity. We are transforming the Signature Grand into a 100,000-square-foot mansion for the sickest Halloween costume party in South Florida. And this costume party is for the grown folk, not the kids, Mm -hmm. yeah. We're talking open bar, amazing food, dancing, silent auction, and of course, contests and prizes for the most incredible costumes. And since the fish tank will be all up in the ghoul, as will a bunch of other hosts from our Five Reasons Sports family, let's do a little something special for the listeners. So what we need you to do is post a photo in your all-time greatest Halloween costume, tag your favorite Five Reasons Sports podcast, and use the hashtag DiveIntoTheGhoul. And the top four costumes will have a chance to win two tickets to the signature Grand Ghoul on that October 29th. For more information on how you can join oj and me at the signature grand ghoul visit 211 browerorg and call 954-390-0493 and ask for tracy
1: ohio ready for some quick mental health facts let's go nearly two million ohioans live with a mental health condition in the u.s more than 50 percent of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime